0: Welcome back to Episode Epiphanies, a podcast where two people with very different tastes in TV shows make each other watch the pilot episodes of their favorite shows in the hopes of making the other person have an epiphany and enjoy a type of show they normally wouldn't watch. My name is Natasha and I normally watch cartoon shows. My name is Jessica and I usually only watch dramas. Live action. (laughs) You know, stuff. know if you only watched cartoon dramas? I only watch cartoon dramas. I don't know what that is or what would be categorized under that. That's what I was about to say. I was like, what counts? I feel like arcane. You could call that a cartoon drama. Yeah. You could maybe classify today's show as a cartoon drama. (laughs) Maybe more of a cartoon fantasy. This week we are talking about the first episode of The Legend of Vox Machina, which is the cartoon show that is the like cartoon adaptation of the critical role livestream podcast D&D thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to call it a podcast, but it's not really a podcast. It's more of like a live stream. I don't know. Let's just call it a podcast, because I feel like people more often reference it as a podcast than they do, like, even if they watch the Twitch, Mm -hmm. I feel like people still call it a podcast, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you probably know what Critical Role is. If you're listening to this and you've never heard of Critical Role, I'm impressed that you've somehow been on the internet and haven't heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, how much did you know about Critical Role slash The Legend of Vox Machina uh, before you watch this. I didn't know that much. I knew, like, cultural osmosis. I knew Critical Role was a thing. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a D&D podcast. I knew they did it on their Twitch stream. Mm-hmm. I know it's four hours long, <laughs> which people love Critical Role. I haven't watched <laughs> it. I won't form an opinion on it. But how is it so long? Mm -hmm. genuinely I struggle with podcasts that are like 90 minutes and when people recommend me podcasts where I'm like oh that sounds cool and then I look at it and it's five hours long I'm like when yeah but (laughs) I I love critical role I will not argue with you it's so long which, fine, it's allowed to be long. It could be long. This show wasn't four hours long, thankfully. No. That would have been bad. <laughs> this show is a very good introduction to Critical Role because it is so much more approachable than the streams. <laughs> That's valid. Okay, what else did I know? I knew the woman who plays, I want to say Pike, is that the name? Yeah, okay. yeah, Pike. Uh, she's in Blind Spot, which I have watched. I knew that. And it was d and I knew some things from you reblogging things on Tumblr and seeing, mm-hmm. like, your art of their characters. I know their third arc is dealing with, like, the repercussions of their first arc, which yeah. I think is a really cool story mm-hmm. idea arc. I don't know what the right yeah. word is for that. But I think that's really interesting. But that is probably the extent of what I knew about it. Fair, yeah. I I had listened to a tiny bit of Critical Role stuff before I watched this show, but this show is basically what has gotten me into Critical Role, and that's basically about as much as I knew about the first arc of Critical Role, which is what the show's based on, when I watched this show. I also just kind of like, I knew more about the the current arc, the which is the third one, but I knew very little about the first arc. I was like, it's a D&D thing. There's a guy named Percy that everybody loves. That's about all I knew. <laughs> Percy genuinely just pulls out a gun <laughs> early yeah. in this episode. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do you wanna do a summary of, of this? Uh... I also forgot that this is the technically it's a two parter. Like the first two episodes are part one and part two, but I just watched part one. I don't know about you. I just watched part one. Yeah. I think part one ends on a good spot for a pilot. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay, I do want to jump into it. Yes, do it. So, I feel like I have very few notes, but I have a lot of opinions. Alright, I'm intrigued. Okay, so we start off and there's this voiceover telling you kind of just a little exposition. It's not very much about the city and how there's this great group of heroes that have come to fight this great evil that's out further off, kind of out of the city. Mm -hmm. And... No one knows what it is, and it's been uh, terrorizing everyone, blah, 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 blah. And then all of these great heroes you just met get completely eviscerated. They're dead. They're gone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which I feel like would have been so much better if I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) I will talk more about this later, but I feel like that joke would have been really good if I didn't know anything about Critical Role. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to pull that off when, like, your source media is already so famous. (laughs) Exactly. Like, you would have to be brand new, no one's ever seen this before, if Mm -hmm. you wanted to pull off that joke. I do think it's very good. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it was the right choice, given what everyone going into this is going to know about it. Yeah. But it's fine. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's some people who wouldn't know... Not many. More more people would know than wouldn't. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. So we cut to this little council room where a bunch of people are, they're obviously like leaders, are talking about whether or not they want to send the army to deal with this because obviously sending out these groups of mercenaries hasn't been working. They're all dying. (laughs) Should we send the army? And the sovereign goes, no, send more mercenaries. I'm not risking the army. We don't know what this is. Which, okay. Mm -hmm. And he says, find me like the best mercenaries in all of the land. And we smash cut to a bunch of people getting really, really drunk at a pub. (laughs) Yeah. Which are our heroes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, at this point, didn't know anyone's names. And I feel like I got them by the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. But whether or not I can connect the names I have (laughs) memorized to my old notes (laughs) is a different question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to find out. Okay, so the group, uh, they're called Vox Machina, obviously. Mm -hmm. They're getting made fun of by this other group of mercenaries who are sitting nearby who are just telling them, like, they're terrible at their jobs, they suck, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) One of the guys in that other group is just a big dog. (laughs) I know! (laughs) Which isn't relevant to anything. It was just really fun. It was just like, there's this dog sitting here. I was like, okay. (laughs) I love that. I'm like I'm curious if that's a, if, if there's a species in D and D that is dog people or if if that's if just, if that was just, just artistic ass. license. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it was good. And then Vax. is the same Vax. It's Vax and Vax, right? Yes, Vax is the guy. So Vax walks over to these people and confronts the other leader and flirts with him. <laughs> and, <laughs> I forget what the actual joke is, but it was something like the guy said something about, like, holding your balls or something, and he was like, are you offering? <laughs> is good. Yeah, I think he says, like, they're too pathetic to, like, I don't remember what word he used. He basically, like, you're too pathetic to, like, jack off yourself Yeah. Or something. And he's like, are you offering to help? I don't remember. Something like that. It was something along that line. It was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, then they just, like, cut off this guy's hand. Yeah, as you do. As you do, you know. You flirt with someone, you cut off their hand. Normal things. Mm -hmm. And then there's a big fight (laughs) sequence. And we kind of see that Vox Magna maybe isn't the best, most well tuned group. They're kind of tripping over each other. They get in each other's way a bit. They're obviously trying to help each other Mm -hmm. and are friends, but they're not coordinated. Yeah. (laughs) So, Vex, who is like the archer girl, she has a really big pet bear. Which, Mm -hmm. again, it's not relevant. It's just a bear, and I love him. Yeah, his name is Trinket. His name is Trinket, and Mm -hmm. he's perfect, and I would die for him. He is. He's perfect. He's got little bear armor. He's got little bear armor. He's sweet. Mm -hmm. What a sweet, giant bear that could kill you. Yeah. So while they're having this fight, their bard, uh, whose name is Scanlan? Yeah, Scanlan. Is upstairs seducing a naked woman, which Mm -hmm. is... It's really odd because they're both already naked and in bed, and yet he seems to be serenading her for the purpose of getting her into bed. And I, I, I didn't understand the course of events there. It wasn't... He's a bard! I feel like he, you know, part of sleeping with a bard is they sing to you? I don't know. Sure, yeah. I sure, don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's not that important. That's what he chose to do. Yeah. So they get kicked out of the bar for fighting... And Pike has this speech where she's like, maybe we should try doing something good because doing all this bad stuff hasn't been working out for us and, well, maybe we should try it the other way around. hmm And then Calith says, well, we're clearly, like, not a good group. Why are we all together? And gives kind of, like, a very brief description of who everyone is and why they're not, like, well-suited to be together. Mm-hmm. And then Scanlan goes to pee and he finds a sign for the thing that the council is hiring for and is like, we should go do this. So they go and they do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that scene. It's really not a bad scene. The way I described that made it sound like really weird, but that's just what happened. Yeah. You got all the important points. Scanlan pees on a guy too. I didn't... uh, That wasn't important (laughs) for my point. (laughs) The only thing that's important about that scene is that the guy he pees on is clearly supposed to look like Matt Mercer. The GM. <laughs> terrible. Anyways, they go to see the council. They almost immediately get kicked out for just being, like, a drunk, terrible group of idiots. hmm And then Scanlan starts singing this song about their adventuring team, which is a little... Uh, it's just kind of like, this is what this person does, and this is how they're good and great. Which, it feels a little far into the episode to have done that, <laughs> like... I understand the purpose of it, and I think it was a good move. It just, I feel like I've been with these characters so long already, and then <laughs> there's, like, this Sailor Moon-esque <laughs> intro to them. That's fair. When else would he have done it? Imagine if he was doing this song to the the girl he was seducing. He was like, let me tell you about my friends. <laughs> He's... is uh, <laughs> Imagine if your seduction technique was actually my friends are hotter than me, so I'm gonna sing <laughs> to you about them. I mean Scanlon would absolutely be down for a eight way. How many people would it be? A big yeah. group of just an orgy with all his friends and whoever he's seducing. Well Percy like busts into that room at one point and Scanlon's like, if you wanna join you have to ask. <laughs> yeah. but he doesn't seem against it. No. Uh, Anyways, he does this little song. When he gets to himself, he starts rapping about how you should lock up your daughters because that's who he is. And then he moves on. Yep. They get hired because the Sovereign thinks it's cool they have a bear, which I have to agree with. (laughs) Very valid. It's completely valid. (laughs) And then there's this purple guy on the council who he looks at Vex and Vex gets this like weird, like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this high pitched noise in her head. Like a Spidey sense kind of thing. Yeah. And they they tell you what it is later, which I'm not going to tell you now. <laughs> you don't know. You have to wait. <laughs> but it's just kind of a moment. I kind of did think, like, knowing it was a and d podcast, that maybe mm. there was, like, a role here to try to prevent, like, a psychic damage spell from going out or something. Mm. It's it is a D and D thing. It's a thing that um, rangers, I think. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it's what it is, because she's a ranger in the game. Rangers have like a preferred enemy type, and they can sense when that enemy type is around. Okay. And I think that hers is dragons. That makes sense. Spoilers for the rest of the episode. So I think that that's what it is. I think it's like a mechanic from the game of of something rangers can do. That's cool. Okay. I did kind of get that moment where I was like, this is definitely, like, there's something d going on mm-hmm. here. Anyways, the council drops them off in a bad area. They're on, like, a weird flying ship. Mm-hmm. Vex tries to talk to Vax and doesn't really get the moment, and uh, they land, and they're told to just live their lives. <laughs> and <laughs> just, just hang out here. <laughs> You're here now. Fix the problem. Yeah. That's your job. So... Caliph is asking the trees for help because her thing is nature magic. She's not just insane. <laughs> imagine if she was. Imagine if she wasn't a druid and it was just like, she just talks to trees. That would be incredibly funny. Imagine if she was like an artificer, but you just talked to trees. I feel just like an fun. artificer is the opposite of a druid. Uh, kind of. Uh, anyways. <laughs> so... <laughs> The rest of the team is asking actual people in the village <laughs> for help, and this little family asks Pike to bless the house, and Pike can't really do it. She's clearly out of practice. She hasn't been doing blessings. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Vax is showing the little kid, like, a magic trick, like a coin trick. So the kids finally tell them that the creature was flying, and they know what direction it went, which is very helpful. And this isn't a real issue because obviously, like, it doesn't matter. But the way they're talking about this at the start of it makes it seem like it's going to be such a, like, unique evil or something, like, so overpowered and crazy. And then it's like, it's a dragon. And I. <laughs> Like, have they never seen dragons before? Because Vex definitely has seen a dragon and knows what a dragon is. And no one reacts to the dragon in a way that connects for me with the thing at the start where they're like, no, great evil, no idea what that is. I feel like I also kind of got that sense when I was watching it. I feel like in this world, in in, in Taldore or Alexandria, or the, the world of this story... I feel like dragons are a bigger threat than they are in most other media. I feel like in, I feel like I've absorbed so much media where like dragons are like scary and dangerous, but they're not like the biggest threat, right? Okay, but that's not my problem. It's okay that the dragon is like a big threat. That's fine. My issue is that no one in the start, it's given this sense that, no one has any clue what the fuck a dragon is or mm. could be or could do. And then we run into a dragon and everyone on the entire team is like, yeah, that's a dragon. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I kind of, like, yeah. The, 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 I, I get what you're saying. Like, the, the way they react to it is is like it's a bigger, like, yeah. I, I expected yeah. it to be something else or something. But, like, I think it's because dragons are, like, just so dangerous, apparently. But, like, yeah, also it does just kind of seem like no one's ever heard of them before or or something, I don't know. But, like, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And part of that is also probably that, again, this is a DND game, and the players <clears throat> have clearly heard of a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, they go to follow the tracks of the mountain, and the tracks are suddenly human feet, and Vex gets another awful ringing headache from the dragon being near, and... There's, like, a lamb that jumps out, but then there's a dragon. Yes. (laughs) It's a very cute, very tiny little lamb. It's adorable. Yeah, and then it does get crushed to death. Not in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, big dragon attacks. It's very scary. Percy wants to run because Percy's a reasonable human being who has a gun (laughs) and there's a dragon. Uh Uh-huh. And Grog wants to fight. Grog's like, nope, fuck this, we're fighting. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're all fighting. There's a lot of things going anywhere. Uh, Caleb is kind of in shock. People have to yell at her to get her to make a spell and start. But then her spell kind of backfires and makes the dragon more powerful. Mm-hmm. Again, I assume this is a DD and d spell thing where she used like an electric spell on an electric creature and mm-hmm. it was just a bad call. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Pike casts a shield uh, to protect them all from the dragon's damage And then a big rock falls and crushes them, but obviously they're okay because this is the first episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be such a power move to be like, you know this famous show with all these famous characters? We're going to kill them in the first episode and it's going to be about other people. (laughs) Can you imagine, though, how funny it would be? The start of this episode is them suddenly killing this big group of like powerful (laughs) Avengers Mm -hmm. and then... like two-thirds of the way into this episode, they kill the people that you thought were going to be the main characters, and then they throw yet another group at you. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be very funny. Especially after they do the whole, like, song introducing yeah. the characters and stuff. They would have really committed to trying to get you to believe those were the main characters at that point, and then been like, no. Well, no. <laughs> we crush them with a rock. Fuck <laughs> Anyways, they're alive because Calith essentially grew a big giant plant that supported Mm -hmm. the rocks, so they're fine. They start debating about whether or not to go on, if they really think this is something they should do, or if they should go back to the council, and is this their responsibility, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then Vex has this big dramatic speech about how... (laughs) I can tell from your face that you just, like, heard my tone and were like, uh, uh. <laughs> I can tell when you're when you're going to complain about something. I have reasoning. I have really good reasoning for this one, okay? No, no. That's fair. That's fair. There's this a big uh, speech about how a dragon killed her mother, so she spent her whole life researching dragons, and she can feel when they're near, and she reveals to the group that she had the same feeling at the palace. And... Okay, to me, this is a one-to-one connection of Mm -hmm. you saw human footsteps when you were tracking the dragon. The guy was a human. Obviously, he is a dragon. Mm -hmm. But they kind of are like, hmm, weird. And I'm like, no, that's (laughs) one-to-one. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a little... (laughs) (laughs) Is that really what my complaint is? My issue with this is this speech feels very forced into this moment mm-hmm. and like obviously I haven't listened to Critical Role but knowing this is a DD podcast this almost seems like the actor was having a conversation with the DM where the DM was like okay we finished that fight like how are you feeling what's your character going through and They were having a conversation about, well, like, this is kind of bringing up emotions about her mom and all of this. And the DM was like, okay, do you think that's something that the group knows or blah, blah, blah. And then it went into this speech Mm. because this speech feels very scripted. And in a DD and d podcast, I would forgive that because obviously the person has been thinking about it and moving through it and they know that about their character. But mm. as something that's supposed to be an organic moment in a television show, it just felt like it shouldn't have been there. Yeah, that's fair. I think a lot of things in, especially the first episode or like the first couple episodes is like, this is like... Dozens of hours of gameplay Condensed into a short episode And I think it's a lot of like Trying to get the important information And important like Details about the characters in the world That like people listening to the stream Would like get organically over Long periods of time like into the episode But I agree that like They probably could have I think they succeeded in a lot of ways at at giving us information about the characters. I do agree that this moment was like, I feel like they could have had her talk about her mom in a way that felt a little more organic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So the twins... I haven't even mentioned they're twins by now, but the oh, yeah. are twins. <laughs> Imagine if they were just unrelated and they had almost the same <laughs> name. They also mentioned at one point that Vox Machina is a pun and then don't tell you what the pun is, and it's driving me insane. I can't think of it. It's, it's, like a, it's funny that they say in the show that it's a pun because it's like an out of universe pun. Vox Machina means voice in the machine, and they're all voice actors, so the pun is like that they're voice actors and the Vox, but in in in-universe it's not really a pun, unless there's a pun that I don't know, (laughs) in-universe. I kind of thought that the pun in-universe would be something to do with, like, Vex, Vax, Vox. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe there is also an in-universe pun, I don't know. (laughs) The twins decide kind of unilaterally that they're done with this bullshit, and they are, like, we're leaving, and then Grog picks up Pike and puts her on his shoulders, and it's really mm-hmm. fucking cute. Yeah. She's very short. He just picks her up. He's like, here you go. It's so uh, cute. I love Grog and Pike. Adorable. And then they go into the town, that, and they realize that the town that they were in earlier was destroyed, and that the family they were talking to has been killed, and Vax gets really upset. And they find the kid, and the kid is still alive, and he asks Pike to heal him, but Pike doesn't have enough magic to do that, which, this is one of the moments where I thought the d d mechanics were very well played and, mm-hmm. like, well integrated, because obviously it's like, I'm out of spell slots, mm-hmm. but instead they say, like, no, I'm too weak, and she had fainted earlier, and she's obviously just used too much magic, which I think was really... Like, it's a really smart way of making the mechanics a, like, in-universe magic rule, almost, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, some of the other things we've talked about that still kind of feel mechanical in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I like that one. So anyways, this death happens, and they all go, well, time to fuck up a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> honestly that's it but yeah. um two lines that i want to highlight here <laughs> scanlan is just standing in the door strumming his like little i guess it's a ukulele i think it's a lute oh it might be a lute that seems d&D. yeah i don't know my bard played bagpipes so <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> anyways he's like I'm thinking of a ride for dead dragon because I guess we're gonna kill one <laughs> which is kind of funny he also like deadpans it and it's like passed over and I'm like that was such a weird thing to say that's <laughs> <laughs> very good though Um, and Vax ends the episode with we'll die gloriously and we'll kill the fucking dragon which is <laughs> kind of funny yeah yeah, and that, that is episode one that is that sure is So what what did you think? You kind of talked about it while you were summarizing, but... I did. But I think the most interesting thing about this show for me is that it is an adaptation of a D&D game. Mm -hmm. Like, it is really curious to me the parts of it that, like you said, this is hours and hours and hours of gameplay Mm -hmm. that has become a 22-minute episode. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting what in that works and that they can find their ways around, like the spell Caliph casts on the dragon and Pike running out of magic, and what isn't working, like this speech that in a D&D game I could see the character making that speech, but in the show it feels too scripted. And what's really odd to me is like 99.99% of your audience 100% knows what the show is. Mm-hmm. Very unlikely anyone is going into the show with no knowledge of what Critical Role is or at least mm-hmm. no knowledge of what D&D is. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting to me as, like, as much as the show is setting up who the characters are and what's happening, there's very little exposition to the actual world. The show kind of expects you to know what D&D is and how D&D works because if you think about it if you had no knowledge of what D&D was and you were thrown into the show where you have all these different races you have people who have like very clearly different skills it's a world where there are adventuring parties that are marauders and that's hired over the army like, there are a lot of things that are mechanics in D&D that we accept as normal in D&D that if you wrote it into an in-universe book without the lore behind it, it would be very odd. See, I I feel like all of those tropes that are, like, D&D things that you just mentioned are also just tropes of fantasy, So I feel like unless you watch this with no knowledge of generic fantasy worlds, which how could you? (laughs) But even like any fantasy novel you pick up is going to spend some time explaining to you like how their world and their magic system works. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of fantasy TV, so maybe it is... I feel like... It's this. It's such, like, any, like, fantasy, like, show, cartoon or live action, I feel like, although I watch more cartoons, I feel like there's a base level you understand of, like, there's elves and there's giants and there's just generic ability to do magic and there is, you know, like, I feel like all of those tropes are, are don't really require explanation unless they're going out of the norm of generic fantasy, whereas I feel like this is pretty much staying in the realm of, like, what's expected of fantasy. That's fair, and it might... It might even be that in knowing it is D&D, I would find it weird if I didn't know what d is, but mm-hmm. if I actually didn't know what D&D yeah. was, it would be fine. Yeah, I think, I think maybe. I don't know. It's really interesting to watch a show that is so rooted in a tabletop role-playing game, mm-hmm. but it's now a television show. I think the adaptation is really interesting. I... I'm less invested in the show as a show. That's fair. I really hate this art style. Oh, really? I don't like it. Interesting. I feel like it's very generically, like, anime-inspired Western. Yeah, I don't like it. Really? I like it a lot. That's funny. I find it... I don't know. I find it kind of choppy. Oh. Because, like, the other times you said you didn't like an art style, I, I was like, okay, yeah, it's more of, like, stylized... This is this is I feel like very like anime-esque. I don't like it. No, that's fair. That's surprising <laughs> to me. That's surprising to me. I really like this art style, but hey, that's fine. I also I okay, mean, this is a weird one, so bear with mm-hmm. me. Sure. <laughs> like really just like <laughs> it's going to be a long explanation. <laughs> okay. Okay. I feel like the character trope that Scanlan is, Mhm. As much as this character trope, like, absolutely does exist in other types of media, Mm -hmm. I find him less bearable in a show than I would if I was listening to the podcast. I think because, like, I'm going to use Triss Valentine as an example, because it's the closest I have in my mind of, like, this guy who's, Triss isn't D&D, but he's still kind of a sexed up bard. If people don't know who Trist Valentine is, for context, there's a podcast called <laughs> Campaign Star Wars that is a, a, a Edge of the Empire, which is like a Star Wars role-playing game. He's a character in that. You can look up Campaign Star Wars Trist Valentine. But just for context, because I feel like Trist is not... Yeah. Not everyone listening to this will know who Trist Valentine is. Yeah. But he's kind of like the Scanlan type. Like, he's he's not really a bard, but he's kind of a bard. Um, and he's kind of <laughs> sure. just, like, overly sexual. Yeah. Which I feel like it's a very common bard trope, even, like, the bard I played was probably that, was definitely that. (laughs) Yes. But I feel like when you're listening to a podcast that has that, the actor and the actor's opinion of that character really tempers the overt sexuality of the character, Mm -hmm. and having the character disconnected from their player or their actor... It didn't work for me. Like I feel like if I listened to the podcast, I would love Scanlan. Mm-hmm. But in the episode, I was like, no, I don't love this. That's fair. I could see how having a voice actor who is doing the narration, who is playing more behind the character, who is giving you more to it, and even who like, you like more than you like the character would make (laughs) Scanlan more bearable. But in this episode, I was like, no, I'm not, I didn't like it. It felt, it felt a little uncomfortable. And part of that is just, I don't like this is, I mean, this is an adult cartoon, but it's not an adult cartoon in the sense I would normally say it. Yeah, it definitely is an adult cartoon. (laughs) The amount of gore, violence, and swearing. (laughs) And nudity. And sexual stuff. <laughs> uh, no, like, it's a cartoon for adults, but I feel yeah. like when I say adult cartoon, I mean, like, Family Guy or The Simpsons, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. not that. Yeah. But Scanlan is definitely the one who is verging most into adult cartoon territory. Fair. Which, I don't know, I just didn't like him. That's that's fair. That's, that's very interesting. Because... I really liked Scanlan. I don't know. I don't remember, because I watched it a while ago, if I liked him a lot in episode one, or if it took me a few episodes, I don't quite remember. So I don't, like, I yeah. But I think, and maybe you don't quite get this from episode one, because he only does a few things, but the type of character that Scanlan is, is in, like you said, a lot of media. There's also often in, like... And you don't really watch a lot of anime or read a lot of manga, but it's a very common character trope in anime and manga of, like, the the horny pervert character. <laughs> and I, when I was younger and I was watching anime and manga, I often liked that character, not necessarily for the horny pervertness, but because that character is often kind of, like, a comic relief character who, like, usually has some sort of interesting backstory, but is also very funny, and I like that kind of character. But then I got a little bit older and I read more anime and manga and that type of character, even though I, I still kind of liked the idea of this like semi-serious, semi-jokey comic relief character, the like, the way that they were like sexual and horny was kind of uncomfortable because it often came off as very like disrespectful and often kind of verging on like assault almost like, because a lot of the time the joke would be like, they would be going after a girl who was not into them and it's played as a joke, but it gets really uncomfortable. So I started liking that character less because I was like, okay, it's... I don't like what they're doing with it. And I really liked Scanlan because he is that character who is, like, the comic relief horny guy. But I feel like in the show, they do a really good job of it not coming across as unwanted or creepy. Like, every time they show him with someone, most of the time, I'd have to think about it, but, like, it's, like, someone who wants it. Like, he's, like the the scene with the woman in the bed like yeah. she very much clearly wants to be having sex with him and like I I feel like they 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 managed to make that character in a way that didn't make me uncomfortable and I like that because I was like oh it's these characters from these mangas that I read years ago that I liked that now I don't like because of how uncomfortable it is but it wasn't uncomfortable so he could just be funny yeah no I I totally understand that and I even feel like if I watched more of this I might warm to Scanlan as a character. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, especially because this is such a big cast and it's Mm -hmm. a 20-minute episode, you don't get a lot of each person. You're kind of just grabbing, like, a quick idea of them. Mm -hmm. So I might, like, my feelings of him might change if I, Mm -hmm. like, consumed more of the media, but I really didn't like him in this episode. And I was trying to think through why, because... Mm -hmm. I agree with you that I often do like that type of character, especially mm-hmm. in D&D podcasts. Yeah. And I was just trying to think, like, what is it about the podcast that makes this different for me? Yeah. And I totally agree with what you said about there is something about it that when you can see the actor, like, mm-hmm. playing the character. And I think also partly because I knew this was based on D&D and I could view it as a D&D character, that also probably made me like him more than, like, maybe if I had watched the show without that context I wouldn't like him as much. I don't know. Because I yeah. can't watch it without that context. Like, <laughs> if you can, very impressed. I would be curious to hear people who would watch this show, like, not even knowing about Critical Role. Because there's only be some people. There has to be. Because, like, I didn't know much. Like, I didn't... Literally the only one whose name I knew before I watched it was Percy. <laughs> I didn't know anything. But, um, but I did know that it was a D&D podcast and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, that brings us, unless you have anything else about opinions, to no. would you keep watching it? No. That's okay. I I don't know. I wasn't grabbed by it. I can understand what it's trying to do. I'm just not interested in it. That's and fair. I feel like if Critical Role wasn't four hours long, mm-hmm. it might have convinced me to try and listen to Critical Role. But unfortunately, <laughs> Critical Role is four hours long. Yeah. No, that's fair. This show did this. Th- it did succeed to me to make me watch all of it and then get into Critical Role. You have a lot more time to listen to podcasts than that's I That's true. I, I, I have time at work to listen to podcasts. If I didn't have that, there is no way I could listen to a podcast where every episode is four hours. I don't care how interested in it I am. There's no way. Exactly. It's just, it's nonsense. Yeah. Which is why I like that the show exists because you can get into Critical Role without having to... I mean, obviously, at this point, there's only 12 episodes, you only get a little bit of it, but there, there's definitely going to be a second season, there hopefully will be more seasons if they keep getting renewed, so people who are interested in Critical Role but don't have time to consume hundreds of hours <laughs> of gameplay can at least have the, the, the gist of the story through the through the cartoon, which I think is cool. Yeah. Which is nice, too, because like you said, the new season of the podcast, season three or campaign three is dealing a lot with the repercussions of what happened in campaign one. And I started with campaign three because it's the current one. And I wanted to be caught up because it was a lot quicker to catch up to like, you know, 15 episodes or whatever was out than a hundred, whatever. So, but I could start campaign three and I could, and just from this season of the cartoon, a lot of the stuff that is like being brought up in campaign three is covered in the cartoon. So even though I haven't listened to campaign one, I have enough context from the cartoon and from a little bit of Googling to, like, get what they're doing in campaign three, which I think is cool. And I wonder if that's a little bit on purpose that they were like, we can... Because ad- in campaign two, they don't address campaign one very much because mm-hmm. they wanted it to be separate. But campaign three, I wonder if they were like, oh, if people want the context, they could just go watch 12 episodes of a show <laughs> instead of hundreds of hours of, of, uh, of gameplay. I agree. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. What do you think happens next in, in in the show. And I guess in the rest of the podcast, too. Okay, well, I mean, before you told me this was a two-parter, I really thought the dragon was just gonna be, like, the whole fucking season. <laughs> I thought that, too, when I started it, but... No. Spoilers, no. <laughs> I don't know if I think that the guy at the council is the dragon that they see, or if he's just, like, a different dragon. And considering this is a two-parter i'm gonna say he's a different dragon but here here's my guess okay i think the overarching plot line Mm -hmm. of this of the game Mm -hmm. is that there is like a secret underground conspiracy of dragons because dragons can transform into people but people don't know that like it's not Mm -hmm. common knowledge so the dragons can go about in society as normal people and they infiltrate things like the council so there's all of these dragons who are in positions of power and the ultimate goal is to essentially take over as dragons Mm -hmm. and the main people discover that and try to stop it (laughs) but also now that I'm saying that how scary and awful dragons are in this two people kind of makes that seem like too much work. Like, if there's <laughs> that many dragons infiltrating <laughs> that many like big-scale things, just turn into fucking scary dragons and make them do what you want. Like, obviously, they find you very scary and hard to deal with. Fair. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's my thought. I think um I think Pike and Scamlin Kiss. I think <laughs> <laughs> there's this moment where he catches her and she's like, "You can stop letting go of me," and he's like, "Oh yeah." Um, and, mm-hmm. and there's this like little awkward flirting moment, and uh, yeah, that's life. <laughs> that's that's my guess. Wait, so that's your guess for the overarching game. What do you think happens in the twelve episodes of the show? Do you think that that's just what they do? Yes. <laughs> <For> twelve episodes. <laughs> Fight dragons. It's a and D campaign. What else would you do for twelve episodes? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, okay. To be fair, there's pretty much no way you could guess what happens in the 12 episodes, because the main storyline that is most of this season doesn't really come up till episode 3. Aw, but I want it to be about dragons infiltrating the government. So, okay. The first two episodes are dealing with this dragon. There's another storyline that happens for the the rest of the season, basically. And then at the very end of the season... There's more dragons. So I think that dragons is a big... Over- I don't quite know what happens in all of, of Campaign 1. I, I haven't watched the gameplay. I've just watched this show and, and read some stuff about about um, Campaign 1 and, like, watched some clips here and there, but I don't know the full story. But I think the dragons is a big part. There's there's dragon stuff. So maybe you're right. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what happens with the dragons. <laughs> in the overarching thing. But in, in this season... Spoilers. We're going to get into some spoilers now. So if you haven't watched this show and you don't know what happens in in this show or in Critical Role, spoilers. The rest of the season is basically like Percy going back to his hometown where he was his family was ousted and tortured by these vampires and then they have to like take the town back from this like lady, this necromancer, not necromancer, this like evil blood magic lady and her vampire husband what an incredible left field turn from what i just watched (laughs) it's like it's it sounds completely random they do it well it's like they they deal with the dragon and then they go back to the castle and then they're like at a fancy dinner being celebrated for dealing with the dragon and then these people the 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 people the the Briarwoods are their names. This like rich family are at the dinner and Percy is like freaking out Tur- and turns out these people killed and tor- killed Percy's family and tortured him cuz he used to be part of a, a family like a not a royal family but like nobles and then they are trying to, like, investigate them because they're like, who are these people? And then they get all embroiled in it and they have to go save Percy's hometown. I, it, <laughs> it flows! It works in the show, but it is totally unrelated to the dragon. <laughs> I believe you that it works. It's just, like, there's no way in hell I could have come up with that. No. no. <laughs> that was more left field than Jason sulko kissing. <laughs> that is- I like Jason Silco kiss in canon. Or do they? They do kiss in canon. What show were you watching? I love the version of Arcane that exists in your head. (laughs) Okay, we've been talking for so long, we have to get to the last few questions. (laughs) Do you want to guess my favorite character? Is it Scanlan? It's it's Scanlan. This was earlier, I was like, should I wait for this question to talk about Scanlan? And I was like... But I was already talking about Scanlan, so it would have been weird if you waited. Yeah, it's, it's Scanlan... Honestly, the reason I got into Critical Role is basically Scanlan. I watched the show and I was like, Scanlan's great! And then I watched some, like, clips of his voice actor, like, as Scanlan and as his other characters. And then I was like, I love his characters and all the other characters, too. Now I have to watch all of them. That's fair. Yeah, for all the reasons I already talked about. I like the other characters, too, but... I like Percy as a gun and he's
1: kind of an asshole.
0: Percy's great. I mean, if you like Percy, you should watch the rest of the show because it's all about Percy. (laughs) I I mean, I don't think the whole, like, I I think for future seasons we'll probably focus on different characters, but this season is very much like the Percy season. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. Because Percy is a great character. So the ship question is kind of a trick question. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to try to guess... Okay, I'll just tell So there are some ships in this, but the ship that I want to talk about is 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 a platonic ship. It's not romantic. Okay, so your favorite ship is a friendship. Yes. Can you guess my favorite friendship? Calith and Scanlan. Caleb and Scanlan? Scanlan? No. <laughs> that would be funny to me, though, because she's so sweet and innocent, and he's <laughs> yes. such a like, weirdo. That would be very funny. No, they don't... I mean, they interact, but I wouldn't say that Calith and Scanlan have, like, a really... Particular friendship in the show. Is Scanlon one of the two people? No. Okay. It's like Grog <laughs> and Pike. Yes! <laughs> I guess that's solely based on the piggyback, right? Grog and Pike have the cutest friendship. I love it. It's like the other highlight of this show was like Scalen's fun. Grog and Pike's friendship is so <laughs> cute. He's this like big, strong, barbarian giant who's kinda dumb. And then she's like this tiny little gnome who's like a cleric, but she's also like yeah, we're gonna go drinking, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm tough. <laughs> I'm like, and they're just best friends, and they're just like call each other cute nicknames, and he, she rides on his shoulders. And at one point, she has to leave for a while, and he's so sad. Oh. He's like, "Oh my God, Pike!" And then uh, I think Vax or something is like, "Don't worry, like Pike will be fine on her when She's really strong." And Krog's like, "I know. I'm worried about us because how can we survive without Pike?" <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so cute! That's very funny. Yeah, it's very cute. Uh, I do kind of want to make you guess, though. Mm-hmm. So there are three canon ships between the main characters that oh, happen, God. and I kind of want you to guess what you think the three the three final ships are that happen. That don't necessarily happen in the show, but I know happen in the game. And they're kind of like hinted at in the show. Okay, we're playing a game of if I can remember enough characters' names to do this. <laughs> You I don't th- have to say their names, you can just describe them. I think I know all their names. Are they hinted at in this episode? I would say a little bit. Maybe some more than others. I remember two distinct moments, but I don't remember who's in one of them. I remember I had two feelings of, oh, that's a ship. And one okay. of them was the scamlin and Pike moment. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is a weird ship, but maybe that's canon. It is. <laughs> and then there was another moment, but I don't remember who it was. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not sure which oh, moment. Oh, I remember that it happened and I was like, oh, that's a ship. But who was it? Oh, I'm curious. I don't know what other moment. I The, the Pike and Scalen moment in this episode, I was very like, do they end up together? They do. Although apparently, because... When, like, because there's sort of an epilogue to mm-hmm. the campaign one. Apparently they also get divorced later, <laughs> which is very funny to that me. That is very funny. I believe it, too. <laughs> are they all straight ships or is, are some of them queer? All of these are straight ships. Okay. Although is it really a straight ship if there's people in the ship who aren't straight? Valid. They are, they are male-female ships. Okay, so the only person I know that for sure isn't straight is Vax. Yeah, we'll get to that question after this. Vax, and Caleth? Vax and Kaelith, yes. Actually, the one that gets addressed the most in the show. I don't know if it really comes up in episode one, but yeah, but they they have a lot of moments in in this season. Okay, I didn't. I don't know that they interacted much in the pilot. I'm not sure if they do. And then there's not a lot of characters left to choose from. It has to be Vax because isn't Vax the only girl that's left? Yeah. Vax and Percy. Yeah, Vax okay. and Percy. <laughs> I don't think they really interact a ton in this episode either, but they have some very cute moments in in this season as well. Yeah. yeah. But kind of related to that question, do you do you want to guess the canon gays? Vax. Yes. <laughs> Vax is extremely bisexual. Vax also has another canon relationship in the game and in in the show with a guy named Gilmore who's like a shopkeep that they visit a lot, who's great. They have a great <laughs> relationship, but he ends up like Having kind of relationship with Gilmore and kind of relationship with Keyleth and ends up with Keyleth at the end. But he and Gilmore are very good together and Vax is very canonically bisexual. Love it. Are there more? Um, okay. There's one more that is very canon in the show. And then there's also the fact that it's a DD and d podcast. And I feel like no one is straight in a DD and d podcast. No. <laughs> like, I think in the actual gameplay, there's a lot, like pretty much every character I'm pretty sure, like has moments. Um, yeah. Where they're they're not very straight because it's a D&D podcast and everyone just flirts with everybody in D&D. That's the main point of D&D, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but there's there's another character who like very much in the show is is by. I don't know. <laughs> Do you want to (laughs) guess? I want want to guess Scanlan not because of how he's acting, but purely because if you're going to be the overly sexual bard, why would you be straight? Yeah, it's Scanlan. (laughs) Scanlan (laughs) works with men and women very overtly throughout the show. My hesitation in that is he does seem, like, weirdly straight in this episode. Just from, like, I don't know... Having a having a loot over your dick just doesn't seem very queer, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it? Though no, yeah, no. scaling farts with dudes in in the show as well. I believe you. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it it uh, it's good. There's there's. There's canon queries and there's canon queries in a lot of the seasons of Critical Role in the other seasons as well because it's a and D podcast and no one's straight in D and D. That's how D and D works. Yeah, it's a fantasy world where no one's straight. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, that's that's uh that's the Legend of fox Machina. I would. I would say that if you've ever been interested in Critical Role, but you've been intimidated by how hecking long it is, <laughs> you should try watching the show. And even if you only watch the show, it's still worth it. It's fun. It's good. Apparently you get to see Percy a lot, and he's cool. You do get to see a lot of Percy. Um, you get to see a lot of all of them. I think they did a surprisingly good job of like showing all the characters in like a relatively short amount of time with a very large cast of main characters. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening to us discuss the legend of Vox Machina and D&D, honestly, <laughs> for a very long time. Yes. There needs to be more media based on D&D so I can talk about D&D more. I love D&D. <laughs> uh, do you want to know what you're watching next time? I do want to know what I'm watching next time. Is it going to be Blind Spot? <laughs> I feel like it has to be Blind Spot mainly because I came into this without anything and now yes. I'm thinking about Blind Spot. So let's watch Blind Spot. Oh, I'm excited. I love Ashley Johnson. Again, doesn't sound like a show I would necessarily be into, but I am excited to see the pilot. I'm excited for us to mutually drag it because Oh, nice. This is a show I have zero emotional connection to. I have seen all of it, but go to fucking town on it. <laughs> Alright, I'm excited. Okay, so, I already said thank you for listening, but thank you for listening again. You can email us at episodeepiphanies at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at epiphaniespod. Uh, if you tweet of us on Twitter, you can use our hashtag epiphaniespod. Mm-hmm. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, we will read it for you in the voice of... I want to say Winnie the Pooh, but I don't know what he sounds like. I don't know, and I don't think I could do his voice even if I did (laughs) know. He just sounds really, like, slow and sad, doesn't he? Isn't that... I think you're thinking of Eeyore. No, but, like, a different slow and sad. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that there were two slow and sads (laughs) in the world. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I listened to Winnie the Pooh's voice. I, yeah, I can't reply to that, actually. (laughs) <laughs> well we'll read your we'll we will read your iTunes review in a voice that is probably not the voice of Winnie the Pooh, but maybe. Maybe it would be. Maybe our natural voices sound like Winnie the Pooh, we just don't know. Maybe. You would know though, because you are smarter than both of us combined. <laughs> Bye! Bye!